0: everyone has their stuff and things and you know like if you ask someone a casual question like oh why are you transferring back to nc state i bet if you ask 30 people that 10 of them probably kind of have a sad story, story to go along with it but yeah usually there's there's more to a lot of people don't like to talk about sad things and people are scared to make people uncomfortable at least i don't want to talk for everyone but that's how i felt so um yeah, it's just nice to have this conversation. And that said, whenever I have just kind of opened up, I've never really regretted it because people are generally very empathetic and have their own things to relate about it.
1: Hey, hey, welcome back to I've Been Better. Thanks to all of our committed and dedicated I've Been Better listeners. We're halfway through April right now when we're recording this episode and we are wrapping up season two recordings which is just incredible. So thank you to everyone who has rated, reviewed, subscribed, tell your friends, told your neighbors, told your mom, told whoever. We really appreciate it. And on today's episode we have one of my dearest friends who we have been through so many of life's challenges and moves and graduations and life events together, and I'm very excited to have her on the podcast today. Unfortunately, she can't be here in person. She's currently studying to be a speech pathologist in Iowa, so we luckily have her over a virtual recording today, so bear with us if there's any fun technical difficulties that come with that. All of us are probably way more familiar with Zoom and Google Meet and any other, oh my gosh, online recording than we ever thought we would have to be this year. You know, I'm definitely ready to go back to the office a couple days a week and stop staring at people over a computer, but I'm glad it's you today. So welcome, Tessa. Thank you, Susan. I'm so glad to be on. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. We talk often, but today we're just going to be recording our conversations, which is really exciting.
0: Yeah, that's how it was prepped to me, just Pretend like I'm talking to Susan like it's every day. And
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feeling good. And, and unfortunately, we just don't happen to be sitting in person or having any of our typical things that we have together, but it'll be normal otherwise.
0: Yes. And it's just a couple more months until I'm back. In yeah. Carolina.
1: Yeah. Are you excited to come back?
0: So excited. So excited that this is going to be my last move. Um, for, for a while. Hopefully a long time because... As you know, we've moved like every year for the past
1: four, five, six years and not just down the street, but like across the country, several times. Across the country. Yeah. Well, and we'll get into this in a little while, but you are not unfamiliar with moving. No, no, not at all. No. Yeah. Your whole life, I think, moves quite often. And I'm so grateful that you happen to find your quote unquote forever home for the time being in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is great. Yes. We're excited to have you back. Uh, so Tessa, share a little bit more. We just talked about how you're in Iowa, and I mentioned you're being, being, becoming a speech pathologist in school right now, but please tell the audience about yourself. Well, yeah, I guess to start from that point,
0: right now I'm in my first year of graduate school to become a speech language pathologist. And like we just said, though, I get to move back this summer to do my internships next year, which is my second year of grad school. Um, and I'll do... Uh, pediatric and adult placement in Raleigh. So that's amazing. An amazing part of my program that um, we just do basically one year of academic work. And then the second year is clinical placements. That's so cool. Yeah. And I'm just really excited for it. It took me a while, but I, not to be cliche, but I feel like I I found what I'm, I'm passionate about. And I feel like I have my career pretty much set in stone, hopefully. Uh, and I don't have to be kind of mulling and thinking and okay what should I do now like I was in my early and mid-20s so yeah just excited to get officially started with with that as a career um what else should I talk a little bit about how we met because that's kind of working please take the lead
1: on that you talked about it a couple times before uh with other guests on this podcast uh but yes please share the details
0: yeah Yes. so Susan and I met uh, through Bud Light, uh, we were Bud Light girls together. I guess that would have been twenty fourteen ish, twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that yeah. was when we were like seniors in college, from um, mm-hmm. pretty much not freshly twenty one, but you know, early twenties. <laughs> yes, basically going out age twenty one.
1: Yeah, drinking
0: yeah. America's favorite drink. Yeah, yeah. No, that was that was a great job, um, for sure. And, um, yeah, what else? I,
1: I, well, we, uh, yeah, we started working together and I don't think you and I even had a shift together though for a long time when you first started working for Bud Light.
0: No. Yeah. And, um, I think I remember, I'm pretty sure this was the first time we met, you know, we would carpool together to go to our promos and I picked you up and I don't think I had met you before. And so all like, we knew stuff about each other. So it was kind of just, hi, nice to meet you. And then just, talking about what we knew about each other from other people. That's Um, so funny. Yeah. So, and that, yeah, that was, that was six years, six years ago now, which is crazy. And I think I've only been in Raleigh for probably the past six years, like two and a half of those years. But, um, we obviously always stay in touch no matter where we are in the world.
1: Yeah. So we, what were you in school for then? What'd you graduate with? English.
0: And I went with English because I like to read and I like to write (laughs) papers. It was really one of those things. You like like
1: to write papers? Yeah. Never heard that before.
0: I know. Um, But of all the things that, so it was just getting to that point in my college career where I was like, okay, I need to actually pick a major and work towards getting (laughs) enough credits towards that major to actually graduate. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I'm like, okay, I'll just do English because... I like English classes and mm-hmm. that's that I can't get too specific because I don't really know what I want to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd actually, I only spent two years at NC state. And before that I was at college of Charleston. Hmm. So that was like, yeah, right after high school, obviously. So 2010 to 2012, and then moved back to Raleigh in, in 2012. Yeah. yeah. And that's awesome. before that, I went to high school in Chapel Hill. So um,
1: all over the map.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely consider myself from North Carolina because I spent a good chunk of my life there and it's what I consider to be home. So,
1: yeah. Well, we definitely consider it to be your home.
0: Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Where all my people are for sure. Yes. Yes. All the people. And where you weren't born in North Carolina, were you? No, I was born
0: in Barbados. Uh, that's sort of my fun fact. <laughs> uh, I love that. My parents were working for UNICEF, which is part of the UN, and they lived in Barbados and were basically working throughout the Caribbean, but their home was in Barbados. So that's where I was born. And part of the reason I moved around so much, including in my childhood, is was because of the nature of my parents' job. So yeah. that took them, took us all around the world, Switzerland or France. We actually lived in France and they worked in Switzerland, um, Turkey, New York for a little bit. But it was, it was hectic. And, you know, when you're little, you want to hold on to your friends and your are sad to leave mm-hmm. your friends that you've, you know, only gotten, mm-hmm. gotten to know in the past couple of years. But thinking back, I'm just, I'm grateful to have that opportunity.
1: Yeah. I do think that that's a pretty common understanding that when you're young, moving around probably doesn't feel very good for many people. You know, Mm -hmm. I can imagine there are some that really do like to move around. Did you understand the nature of your parents' jobs, you think, of why you were moving? Or was it really confusing on why you moved all the time? I pretty much, well, I, I
0: understood it. And also, um. You know, we were Americans. Well, my dad's actually Irish, but, you know, we were basically foreigners living in these countries. And I would Mm -hmm. go to school with a bunch of other uh, kids whose parents also traveled a lot for work. So it kind of seemed normal to move around a lot. And I really was, I mean, it was sad, but I was okay with it and just went along with it through most of my childhood until actually, well, my mom retired and decided, okay, I'm moving the kids to Florida because she just wanted to live in Florida and have nice weather and just a relaxed lifestyle for once. And then she decided, and this was, I was in eighth grade and her parents, my grandparents were in North Carolina and they were getting older and she's, Mm -hmm. she was really close to her mom and she wanted to be near them as they were, you know, approaching mid eighties, late eighties. And I was, like I said, I was in eighth grade going into ninth grade. And my mom said, you know, we're, we're going to move to North Carolina. And that's when I was like, heck no, which is so funny thinking about it because I, you know, now I love North Carolina and I would not want to be, I mean, who knows, but right now (laughs) I would not want to be living in Florida. (laughs) Um, So I was so, I mean, you're like 14 years old. You want to be where, where
1: you are. You want to be going to the same high school as your friends. Your mom could have told you you were going to live in Disney World and you'd been like, absolutely not. Because you're 14 and nothing your parents say is okay for you.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So I had a lot of resentment towards North Carolina when we first moved because I'm like, it's not Florida and I just want to go back. And Mm -hmm. my mom kind of humored me. She was like, well, maybe you can go to like a Florida boarding school your sophomore year if you still feel this (laughs) way. And of course, I didn't. (laughs) Starting my second year, I was, you know, very acquainted and happy to be in the high school that I was in.
1: That's great. What high school did you go to? Do you feel comfortable to say that you don't have to? Yeah. Yeah. I went to East Chapel Hill High School. Nice. Mm -hmm. Shout out to them. Yep. Wildcats. There you go. Um, You know, I think that's so interesting to hear about, you know, I remember you talking about that with your parents and their job and you moving around a lot, but I think it's really cool to share again. My dad had a similar upbringing where his father was in the military. And so they moved around the world and they would live in, I'm going to call them camps or compounds maybe, right? Where there were Mm -hmm. other American families. So it's not that they were ingrained into the culture because you lived with people of your own culture often, right? It's, you know, you didn't get to immerse yourself necessarily into these other areas. Not that you didn't, my dad at least didn't. I know they had to step out of those compounds to go into Mm -hmm. these other areas that were not full of families from America that were working for the government.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's funny that you say that because, interestingly enough, because my dad is Irish and my mom is American, but she also had an upbringing where she was very international. So we never were part of like that American compound because, I mean, we weren't military. And even like when we were in Turkey, I remember our I miss so much like lucky charms and bacon and things that <laughs> were not <Giddy laughs> American sugar. Exactly. Things that were not available in the grocery stores in Ankara, Turkey. And I was so jealous of the, uh, some people in my class were American and their par- parents were like us diplomats and they got to go to this American grocery store on oh this my gosh. like military compound. But we weren't allowed because we weren't connected to the U.S. Embassy, or we could have gone if we wanted to, but we would have to pay like a huge fee mm-hmm. to just be allowed in. So, um, I mean, thinking back, I'm glad that we were kind of more in the actual city of Ankara, not just yeah, in... Yeah, got to really
1: burst yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I remember being jealous that some of my friends got these perks from being on the I think the commissary they called it, that was
1: the American oh, uh-huh. grocery store
0: where you could get Lucky Charms and Oreos and things
1: like that. It's almost like going to school. I mean, I can't imagine how old you were when you lived there, but maybe like five or six and slipping someone a $5 bill saying, hey, yep. grab me an extra box of Lucky Charms, meet yep. me out back, I'll get them from you. I remember a couple of times my mom ordered a
0: cereal that we wanted from Denmark. I'm not sure why Denmark, but we would get
1: these <laughs> shipments in the mail from Denmark when we were living in Turkey. No That's it was hilarious. always like Christmas morning. I love that. How are you feeling talking about your mom's upbringing was international. Your upbringing was fairly international. You have family international, and now you're about to have a baby, yes, yes, yeah, So
0: it still feels surreal, but in about three months, hopefully we'll have it's a baby be a little baby, yeah, um, well like i've been saying i feel so fortunate that i had the upbringing i had and we talked a lot a lot about it in uh my graduate program as well just people people's backgrounds and also things like what you learn in childhood regarding different cultures and and you know i'm sure you know all, all about biases and things like that so it really has mm-hmm. you self reflect and i think about my own baby and how i want to bring him or her up and while I don't see as much of an international upbringing as I had or my mom or dad had, or especially my my mom, um I think, and I hope that traveling is going to be a big part of it, mm-hmm. or at least talking about in a, a very general sense, there's more in the world than just where you are living.
1: Yeah. There's so much more than Raleigh, North Carolina Yeah, that exists in the world.
0: I think Raleigh is really cool. I, I, I'm always, I, I met so many interesting people, not just from Raleigh, but people who moved to Raleigh as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no matter where you are, there's more to the world. There's different types of people everywhere. Oh, so yeah. I hope we have oh, yeah. the opportunity to travel and that, um, this child just grows to appreciate as much as I did. And like keeping in mind that when you're a kid, sometimes you don't appreciate things as much as you
1: will Mm -hmm. as when you're an adult. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and thinking about right now with the pandemic, you know, that travel sort of off the table, you know, especially being a pregnant woman right now, but you even nationally have spent time traveling you know, since you settled in Raleigh, North Carolina. And so I feel like that's going to be an absolute when you and Martin have this baby that you're going to travel every opportunity you get. And you're going to take that baby on wonderful adventures (laughs) nationally, internationally. And I would like to believe that they will probably love travel.
0: Yeah, I hope so. We're already tentatively planning some things for when the baby's like six months old and I'm thinking okay well maybe we should just see how things go um but that vacation is nothing culturally profound I'm just thinking like Key Largo for a couple weeks in January but
1: gotta start somewhere yes and it'll be warm so that makes perfect sense to want to go to Key Largo when it's cold in North Carolina exactly because we couldn't really take a January for my
0: school I have a big chunk of January off It's both this past year and the uh, next year, and of course, this year we weren't able to do a whole lot. So, yeah,
1: well, so to Key Largo, you'll go. Yes, or someplace similar. There you go. Well, good. That sounds awesome. And then you'll, you know, you'll be back here in Raleigh. So this will be the first time you'll have lived. Well, you were here in Raleigh two years ago, and then before that, Richmond. Before that, San Francisco. Before that, Raleigh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh so my gosh.
0: All that together, I has come to about five, six years, they yeah, I've been in Iowa since August.
1: It's so weird. <laughs> I feel like the last year of our lives, too, hasn't really happened, and I can imagine many people can relate to that with COVID, that 2020 was a wash. Oh, absolutely.
0: Um, it's hard. Like, you know, you kind of – you realize now it's been over a year, and I'll have random things on my phone pop up, random pic- – or even just um, – like pictures of the food I made myself. And I'm like, I kind (laughs) of remember making that. And I remember that day and how eerie everything felt a year ago from now. And yeah, just, there were so many, I I think of this as a silver lining, but last year definitely taught me and maybe others sort of the mantra of let go and let God. I mean, even if you don't believe in God, just sort of this idea of what will be, will be. And because this was, you know, March, April that this all happened or was starting to happen. And we had a wedding that was mostly planned that was scheduled for August. And the first few weeks, of course, everyone was saying like, oh, it'll be fine by August. Like, don't even sweat it. You don't have to think about it. And of course that wasn't the case. So every day kind of realizing closer and closer to August
1: that, hmm, this is not looking good. (laughs) Yeah, when we had your bachelorette party was supposed to be in Vegas. Mm -hmm. Vegas did not happen. Sadly, we had to cancel. So we had a backyard Vegas socially distanced bachelorette party prior. (laughs) This was last July. So July 2020 when we were supposed to be in Vegas. Yeah, which we've said I at
0: least I hope it can happen.
1: Okay. And we're going to Vegas. Yes. I'm gonna go. Yes. You're gonna go. Someone's gonna go. Baby's gonna go. We're all going to Vegas. We're all
0: going. uh Yeah, and we can
1: just copy paste the itinerary pretty much
0: from. <laughs> we'll just we redo it. We'll
1: just pretend. We'll just put someone in a white dress, pretend someone, and be like, "Here you go." Yeah. Someone's bachelorette party. No, I I am pretty adamant about that because that one stung.
0: Because you know you're looking at this like wonderful itinerary that you know is going to be so fun, and then. Just can't happen. Yeah. Can't realistically happen. So, but I will oh, yeah, say, we're definitely not
1: shitting on what actually happened with COVID. Like, we do not wish that upon anybody. But everyone else has lost something. COVID has screwed people's lives in so many different ways, and this is just one of those ways.
0: Yeah, everyone, because I mean, obviously, everyone had some things planned in 2020. People had plans, and we all were affected in different ways, and. You just kind of got to move on and yeah, hope that you can <laughs> reschedule things in the future really. Um, but yeah, that was obviously a tough year and in a way has made it when you reflect on like time-wise, like, Oh my God, that was a year ago. Even when I started grad school in August, like, shoot, how many months ago was that now? Eight. It's just, yeah. time is just has no concept anymore. And even like now though, when I'm, Pregnant, I'm obviously way more conscious of time. Like, okay, what week am I in? What month am I am I in? <laughs> so it's all just been a bit trippy.
1: Yes. Yeah. Different ways to keep track of time and how you look at time is very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got married in the pandemic. So Tessa was supposed to, as we were saying, bachelorette party, wedding, the big wedding got canceled. And then it was just, you know, a small, intimate gathering. Share a little bit about that because your international family was not able to come
0: correct so the people in attendance were martin obviously my husband his parents his grandmother who lives in west virginia his sister his sister's boyfriend sam and my brother so i had one person representing my side of the family uh and my brother is local so that was easy enough. But yeah, it stung. And, you know, obviously, there was always going to be a part that was going to hurt with my mom who's passed away not being at my wedding. But, Mm -hmm. you know, not having really anyone. I'm glad that my brother, again, represented my family. It was nice to have someone there. But really it being next to impossible and completely unsafe to have my dad who lives in Italy and is 69 as asthma uh come in for that and I mean my dad was very reassuring about it and said listen you know the whole point of the important thing is that you and Martin are married and you know we'll we'll celebrate later so it was Mm -hmm. I mean it was a wonderful day and truly amazing and I, I really loved it but of course thinking back I'm like dang that that sucks you know yeah oh my gosh yeah
1: Yeah, you know, I don't want to gloss over what you just mentioned as well. And if we didn't mention at the top of the hour, you know, Tessa is also a member of Dead Moms Club, which we've talked about on this podcast before. And you know, I think that's something that if you wanted to share about, you're absolutely welcome to. And it's something that brought Tessa and I closer together. That Bud Light Girl group was not just a part time job for any of us, as you may have heard before when listening to this podcast, or maybe you can relate to having a part time job where you really ended up gaining a family. And so many of us went through something involving a death or a loss of x y or z who knows during that time and and then now we got to watch you get married and none of us were also able to be in attendance at your wedding you know you had one person who was from your side of that dynamic and that relationship and not that martin's parents and grandparents don't love you but it was that you know your side of things was not able to be represented at your wedding
0: yeah yeah so Um, I will say we had a semi small get together right after we got married at a local restaurant where I got to see some friends. So that was that was awesome. It felt like a very last minute put together reception. But Mm -hmm. yeah, so like, as you were just saying, um, and this was yeah, because right around the time that I met you was when my mom passed away, or when I met you was probably when she was getting really sick. And thinking about, you know, what this podcast is called, I've been better. I think back to that time and think about how many times I had to say things were okay and things were fine. And I mentioned that I transferred from College of Charleston to NC State. And people asked me why I did that and I would kind of just say, Well, I don't know, I just want to get that in state tuition and I don't really know what I'm doing at College of Charleston anyway. And I don't really know what I even want to study. So I just want to go back to North Carolina school, so I can pay in, in state tuition. But the actual fact of the matter was that my mom was getting really sick and I wanted to be closer to home. But that's awkward to tell people when they're basically just asking mm-hmm. a
1: small talk type of question. So they're yeah, like, Oh, like, why'd you move from Charleston to North Carolina? They're probably expecting to say, Oh, family or this or you know, X, Y, or Z, but not thinking family as I have a terminally ill exactly parent that I need to be closer to now,
0: exactly. And I'm so glad that I did transfer um, because I would have missed out on a lot of time that I could have, that I got to spend with my mom that last year. But yeah, that, that year was uh, chaotic. So I was in school full time. I was a Bud Light girl. I think I had another part-time job. Did you work
1: at a car dealership for
0: a little while? I did work at a car dealership because remember, like we weren't getting the hours we wanted. And I'm like,
1: I'm just picking up this this job. So, um, Isn't that funny when like there were periods of time where we weren't getting to work and then we would have too much work and then, oh my gosh, what a mess.
0: Yeah. And of course I left that job because schedule wise, it just, it didn't end up making sense. Um, But it was a good job because I pretty much just sat at the reception desk.
1: Yeah. uh, At that
0: dealership. yeah, Yeah. Picking up phone calls and forwarding phone calls. And it was, I could just sit pretty much and do my homework. But anyways, yeah. yeah, so that was um twenty it was September twenty fourteen that my mom died. And I graduated in December twenty fourteen. So obviously that semester was a bit of a whirlwind, but I'll always remember yeah. just how amazing, not just Susan, but all the Bud Light girls were during that time. Mm-hmm. You guys had I still you-
1: remember making a basket. <laughs> yes. like, I can vividly remember either giving somebody or picking it up the basket that we had put together for you were standing in oh my gosh what was that restaurant called that's underneath pure gold train, train station Train station. yeah oh my gosh that's where the handoff happened yeah. was that
0: train station uh yep <laughs> yep and yeah there were just so many thoughtful things in there and I knew um Susan had gone through what I had gone through mm-hmm. and it just meant a lot it was just I'm always glad to have bigger conversations because then you realize people have a lot of things to talk about and no one really has sunny <laughs> rainbow hundred percent stories all of the time. Oh my gosh, no. There's if
1: you do, you need to also be on this podcast because we need to talk to you about what your life is like.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone has their stuff and things and you know, like if you ask someone a casual question like, oh, why are you transferring back to NC State? It's like I bet if you ask thirty people that, ten of them probably kind of have a sad story story to go yeah. along with it. I, I'm i yeah. just throwing out, but yeah, usually there's I don't know there's more to. A lot of people don't like to talk about sad things, and yeah, people are scared to make people uncomfortable. At least I don't want to talk for everyone, but that's how I felt. So um, yeah, it's just nice to have this conversation. And that said, whenever I have just kind of opened up, I've never really regretted it because people are generally very empathetic and have their own things to relate about it.
1: Yeah. People want to help people, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's We enjoy being around other people and we as humans crave connection. And so you might surprise yourself that if you get vulnerable and let somebody be vulnerable with you, what you'd be willing to do about that and how you can be there for somebody. And like you just said, God, you feel so good afterwards, right? That now I can imagine if you got a really shitty remark back or not empathy back, right? Something else that that could make you feel worse in the moment, but recognizing that, all right, that just wasn't that person, you know? And I can imagine when we were Bud Light girls, maybe you can speak to this. You know, my mom died way before I had a job where I needed to fake it to make it sort of speak at work right i mm-hmm. You had to leave what was happening at the door, and you know thankfully, you didn't have to quote work at that time, but you absolutely came back to work during this immediate time of your mom dying. Do you remember any of those first experiences of having to go pretend to force people to drink? Not force, oh my gosh, take that back. To go convince and sell Bud Light to people at a
0: bar. Yeah, I mean, of course, everything felt wildly mundane. (laughs) And you have this realization that, oh, wow, life really does just move on. And people are going to continue doing. Life is just going to be life for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so you, I definitely felt very isolated because my head was sort of in this cloud and you're just walking around and everything is just the same too. So, and I, I am always grateful because I know shit kind of hit the fan after I, when my mom died and I told our boss my mom just died and he was, you know, very nice to me and said take the time you need, don't worry about your shifts, we got it covered. But it mm-hmm. sounds like there that was chaotic for
1: you guys <laughs> to cover. <laughs> I'm sure it was. You know, I can't remember the specifics now, but I'm sure it was and it's that dichotomy of what happens like you said right when the reality of life kicks in and things happen where people need to take time. And then the world still keeps spinning so how do you encourage people to work and get what needs to be done done however someone's parent just died and they need to take all the time they need because grief is not linear and it absolutely does not happen in three days do not get me started on bereavement leave have a huge problem with that (laughs) yeah but you know i'm sure it was fine and i can imagine so many people can understand that of these policies we have in place on how to do business with death don't really work out
0: yeah yeah absolutely and it's I thinking back I mean still now and you can probably relate with how grief just hits you right in between the eyes sometimes and it'll be so random and my mom's really good friend Liz actually put put it that way to me the day my mom died she said. You know, sometimes this, when you least expect it, it just hits you right between the eyes. And that's such a good way to put it because there would be times, and this would be like a year or two years, three years after my mom died, where I would be driving and literally have to pull the car over and just like having to collect myself. And honestly, those first, I, my head was in a cloud right after my mom died, but I could function. Like I was okay. I went to work. I actually got the best grades I ever did in school that semester. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, so everyone was very kind and I'm grateful for that. Like, um, our boss at Bud Light gave me time off and my professors were also the same way. Actually, I don't think I even told all of them what had happened. Um, but I told a couple that I were, that I was closer to and they were very kind too. But the fact of the matter was I could, I could pretty much function during that time. I mean, besides having a lot of other like family in town for the funeral, like I was very, busy with that. And I was grateful to have that time off, but really, as you said, grief is a roller coaster, and Mm -hmm. you can't just, you know, (laughs) there, I would never have said to my boss a year later, listen, I need to take a week off because I'm warning my mom. And they'd be like, Oh, your mom just died. Like, no, it was a year ago, but you know, (sighs) But that's how grief works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You just made such a great point, which is why I think bereavement leave is insane, right? I understand probably where it came from. I need to do my own research on this. So do not quote me. But I can imagine it was back in the day, there was, you know, maybe less people or, you know, the world was different in many ways. And so somebody would die, you would have a funeral. The second day you had family in town, you did your morning, you know, grieving procedures and rituals. And then you went back to work. That's not how things are now. You have your your mom was here and how many other family members did you have locally? One sibling. Yeah, and locally I had a
0: sibling and um, we have like some extended cousins who are great, or, like my mom's cousins who also live in Chapel Hill, but really like in the entire state, or really the yeah, the entire state of North Carolina, we had I had my brother and like
1: a handful of other people. Yeah. And so just to have a funeral, your mom involved international flights Mm -hmm. for people and making arrangements. So that takes days right there. And then you just made such a good point. Grief is not linear. It is a roller coaster. I don't know how many times we need to say that until people understand that when my dad died, I did not take time off. I took the time off. And it's very normal for your brain to sort of go into survival mode and you avoid thinking about it, right? You go, it makes sense that you got really good grades that semester, actually, because that was something to focus on, right? Mm -hmm. It was somewhere else for your brain to go and to see an end at the light of the, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel and to have something else to do. And then grief hits you later. Yep. When I showed up for grief counseling, I think I started going in October. My dad had died in July. Maybe it was a little sooner. My grief counselor looked at me and said, you're early. I thought that was a weird statement to make, right? And now that I've done training for grief counseling, I get it because typically people are in shock, right? We're in shock, a little bit of denial, not totally ready to deal with it. We need to, life goes on. We need to do some other things. And then as your lovely, you know, Liz said to you, it'll hit you right between the eyes. So a year later, that first anniversary or whenever something big happens in your life, that's Mm -hmm. when the grief will get you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or even when something small happens. Right. And we need to be able to do that. You absolutely should have been able to come and said, look, I'm having a really hard time right now. Mm -hmm. Thinking about my mom a lot. You know, that grief response is coming up for me. It can absolutely be delayed. So there's trajectories for what grief responses look like. And there's complicated grief. I mean, there's so many pieces to it, but just normal, normal grief. It is totally normal and expected to hit you at random times. My mom died. Oh my God. How many years ago now? It'll be 11 this year. And I will absolutely have moments where I will be, you know, brought to tears about that. Yes. And it's been long, right? Almost yeah. half my life. And oh my gosh, I'm not that young. I'm 30. A third of my <laughs> a life. Third, yeah. A third of my <laughs> life. I can do math. But I think you're absolutely right that it makes sense. You got really good grades. And then a year later is when you were ready to deal with it.
0: Oh, yeah. Totally. And right after she died, we got a ton of stuff in the mail from the hospital about grief counseling oh, and support worst, yeah. groups and blah 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 and while that was appreciated there was no way that i was going to partake in that at that time uh so what i wish i had and i wish cuz i believe the health system is aware that grief is a long-term process and like you've been saying a roller coaster and not linear but really the support ends after a certain point yeah and yeah, then you just you have off. to be very active on pursuing it yourself and yeah. potentially inconveniencing people and because brave yeah the your employers will be less understanding and people are like why aren't you
1: over it <laughs> or yeah. which is the most infuriating <laughs> phrase right of getting over the death of anybody or anything Right. Yeah. Well, that's why, you know, when you get back to Raleigh, which you and I have only briefly talked about, but you will be inducted to our, uh, we have a dead mom's club. We have a dead parents club that we have Mm -hmm. started because oddly enough, we find each other. It's weird that the world is so big yet so small because people who will go through a life event. Almost everybody on this planet will go through the life event of a death of a parent, mm-hmm. and you will find each other. Some of us just happen to go through it much sooner and much younger than other people. And so there's a group of us here that have a parent who has died, and half have a mom who's died, half has a dad who has died. I get to straddle both sides. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be, like you said, you know, it's a way for us to have that continued support, even when it's been years.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, it's amazing that that exists and just, yeah, there's a lot that comes from just talking to people that get it or even not. I mean, I have some friends that are, they haven't been through it, but they they do seem to have some kind of fundament, fundamental understanding of it. And mm-hmm. other people, I mean, no judgment, we're all different, but seem to not really, I don't want to say not as empathetic, But don't quite um, understand the experience or even want to know about it or want to understand where you're coming from. So, yeah, there's a, a lot of benefit from talking to others who understand or at least are willing to try to understand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel like, you know, as you said, you are in grad school now, you're married, you're getting ready to have a baby. Are there things that are coming up for you when all of these big life events are happening and, you know, you don't have local family. And, you know, as we mentioned a couple of times on here, that most of your family lives outside of the state or outside of the state's period. And your mom's not here for any of those things.
0: Yeah. Well, we're lucky in the sense that we have Martin's parents pretty close by. They live about an hour and a half away from Raleigh. So I am very grateful for that and for them. But yeah, in terms of life events without uh, parents, that especially having, like I don't know what I'm going to have uh, gender wise, but I think about, oh gosh, if I have a little girl, that's going to hit me in a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Because, you know, and I think this is for people who have a living mother as well. You want to be as good of a mom as your mom was, especially because you kind of think of your own daughter as yourself in a way. So how do I raise her in the same way that my mom did? And that's very over overwhelming. So I, I try not to think about it. And mm-hmm. no I mean, no matter if it's a boy or a girl, I just told myself you take it day by day <laughs> and don't try to overwhelm yourself with, okay, how do I be as good as my mom or what have you? And uh it's obviously it's tough to I know she you know, she's not going to be there to see the, the big moments, but I kind of have already a plan of how I'm going to talk to baby about her. And she's Mm. going to be very much a part of this child's life, even though she's not physically here. And, uh, yeah. And my other family, I mean, I'm other family, my dad and those
1: other people. (laughs)
0: Uh, yeah. Like I've been saying, or, uh, well, my dad's Irish, but living in Italy and, I'm just hoping, you know, once COVID is over, hopefully we can see each other. So I have a little sister too, who's only eight. And hopefully we can all see each other a couple times a year, um, whether that's us going to Europe or them coming to us. And most of my extended family is in Europe as well. So Martin and I have already been talking a little bit about, okay, so when's the first time we want to go to Ireland to see extended family? Um, But part of the reason we are going back to North Carolina is while I don't have a ton of family, at least not a ton of reliable family right nearby, I have a huge friend support group and Martin's parents nearby too. So it is, um, my due date is July 15th and we're moving in June a little we'll bit be actually here. before my term ends, but my program's been amazing and says, yeah, of course you want to have this baby in North Carolina and not basically for me, the middle <laughs>
1: of nowhere.
0: Nowhere. So
1: Yeah good. Um, I I can absolutely understand that. And, you know, it makes my heart swell quite a bit. And, you know, I get emotional as well thinking about that. We are absolutely your family. I'll speak for myself that, you know, absolutely being your family and looking forward to doing whatever I can to support you in making sure that your mom is a part of, you know, I didn't ever get to meet your mom. But, you know, I can absolutely understand that feeling of, you know, she's not here. How do I convey to this new human being what their grandma was like
0: exactly exactly and you want to you want to be you want to say all the right things and just highlights because as you probably relate you know your mom sometimes I feel like she could walk in the door right now and I'd be like oh hey like it wouldn't even like she's such a you know a part of part of me but I it's tricky because you just want to, you just hope and pray that your child gets all the best attributes that she had. And then, you know, obviously there's so many things I wish I could ask my mom and advice and things like that, but really you just have to trust yourself. Okay. I spent, for me, I spent, you know, 22 years with my mom. I know her. I haven't lost any part of her. How do I, what am I trying to say? Kind of like come up with the the best way that this child like knows, knows her as well as I did.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, and you mentioned that, so you have a little sister with your dad, you've got one sibling that lives in this, in the States, and then you have two older siblings, right? I do. Yeah.
0: I have, um, two older half siblings and one is in Ireland, my sister, and she actually just had a little baby herself last year and my brother who my older brother, who lives in London.
1: So many fun places to visit.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) One of these days when, I mean, I have visited, but can't wait to get back on a plane again. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. So those are your half siblings. So your mom, it's you and the local, the sibling that lives in the States. Correct. Okay. You know, and so 2014 was, it'll be almost seven years, you know, coming up in September. Do you feel like you and your sibling handled the death of your mom differently, the same? Have y'all been able to stay close? Like, What has this journey been like for the two of you or your relationship with each other?
0: I would first off and say that we handled it differently, but that's to be expected. Everyone handles grief differently. He was... 20 when she died. I was 22, and in my last semester of college, and Mm -hmm. like we've been talking about, kind of just ran through and finished. He, on the other hand, was at the point of his life where, I mean, to put it simply, his life was already a little bit chaotic, and then to add this on top of it, it was very, very, very rough on him. In a different type of way than it was with me, I think, because he needed a little bit more motherly support <laughs> in his life. So of course it was very hard on him, but you, you know, with, as we've been talking about with, with grief, it's a roller coaster and you know, it's going to have different types of impacts on people. And yeah. I could go on and on about this, but with him and at this point, it's like, okay, I don't know if this is just grief or different things like depression or what, but it's been about seven years and it's clear that this loss has had a huge negative impact on his life Mm -hmm. in how he lives his life and his life choices. And... Sort of who's who he's turned into, yeah. and part of that has clearly been drug use and with drug use comes lying and hiding and manipulating, and it's basically impossible to have a relationship, a true, pure relationship with someone who is abusing drugs and doesn't even want to admit that they have a problem, yeah, yeah, so that's and I mentioned he was the sole representation of my side of the family at my wedding. And it was, it was great to have him there, but it was kind of one of those moments where everything was, I mean, of course, sad because COVID canceled everything, but the day itself, like I said, was absolutely amazing and beautiful and it was great to have him there. But that was just like a, a blip moment of, of paradise kind of, because everything sort of, went back to normal after that in terms of him being next to impossible to talk to and have a relationship with. And it's been so hard for me to know what to do because I mean, he is a grown man at this point. You can't force people to change their life if they don't want to, or if they themselves think it's going to be too hard, which I think that is his problem. Um, so it's been a constant battle because there's that. And then there's always being lied to as well. So it's hard to even know what really is going on. All I know is that it's bad (laughs) and he, it's very sad because he has so much potential and he's very, very smart and he just had a lot going for him, but you can't, live a life if you're constantly abusing drugs and surround yourself with the people with people that are doing the same
1: yeah yeah you know and I I can imagine that thinking about again bringing this new life into this world and that you know this is someone who you felt really close to at a point in your life and now are really uncertain about what that relationship is going to look like because you're not sure if you can trust them right now. And so what have you, I can imagine that you and Martin have talked about that and that you've been thinking about that as you prepare to move back to North Carolina.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because I will have this new baby to take care of, but part of me also feels like I need to take care of my brother. But at this point it has to be two very separate things because I don't see Mm -hmm. how he can be involved in this in that part of my life. Um and I tell myself, okay, it's going to be easier to talk to him, easier to influence his life and hopefully get him on a better track when I'm physically back in North Carolina and near him.
1: But yeah. do you feel like a responsibility to do that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I do because I feel like I'm the only one who and this is no one's fault. It just is what it is. But I can just be straight with him and not uh, I'm past the point of coddling and pretending mm-hmm. like everything's okay. And I am his sister. And you know, growing up, it kind of was a unit, me, my brother and, and my mom. And now that my mom's gone, I feel like my brother is a very, very important person to me. So I I do feel like I have this responsibility. But Not that I I want to do it, but I don't mind that it's my responsibility. But I do feel that way because even though my dad and my older siblings, they they obviously care when you're literally over an ocean, there's only so much I can do as well. Um, Because like we were saying, you need to want to help yourself.
1: You can't force a grown man to do something. So. I think many of us have tried. It does not work. Yeah. Yeah. And thinking about these other family members that I can imagine are important to your sibling, you know, family as in dad, other siblings, them being across the ocean is a huge hindrance to being able to help someone because being able to call is great, pick up a phone is great, send um, tangible, helpful things like money or, you know, concrete support such as that is awesome, but you're not here. And when you're not physically here, right, it's so easy to lie. And to pretend that everything is okay because it's not in your face to see it.
0: Exactly, exactly, and that's part of the reason. Sometimes I, I mean, I I would see him every now and then, and just be kind of shocked because I'm realized, wow, this is how you live your life. Because when we would just be texting or occasionally calling, it seems like everything was all good, <laughs>
1: but really. Mm-hmm when you actually see it it's a whole it's a whole other story yeah yeah technology has allowed us to do so many amazingly great things and it gets in the way because it's easy to pretend and to lie and to not tell the full truth as you said you know i can imagine you don't want to think that things aren't going well for your sibling you know so you call your brother and they're like yeah everything's great have a job xyz have these friends you're like oh that's so awesome and then you pull up and see them one day and you say oh things are not good yeah
0: and to an extreme extent too. like him saying i have a job i'm in school neither of those things being true and it's just like oh my god i can't believe people even can lie
1: like that yeah and do you feel like you've 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 continued to take it personally or have you reached a point where you recognize that it has nothing to do with you
0: That's a good question. I definitely used to 100% take it personally. I still do take it personally sometimes.
1: Yeah, oh, reasonably
0: so. Because, yeah, you just think, because most, I wouldn't lie to people I care about, especially so egregiously. I imagine most people I know wouldn't make (sighs) such huge rampant lies, especially not coming from a place of just, you know, sometimes people have good reasons to lie. And I I guess his good reason is that he doesn't want me to know, but it's just so clear that it's, it's
1: happening. What other reasons are behind that, right? Yeah. What's more nefarious part of it can be, I don't want you to know, so you don't worry. I don't Mm want to know so that I don't feel judged or feel shame for my behavior. Mm -hmm. And the other part is I don't want you to know so that I can keep doing this behavior. Right. Right. You know, addiction rules people when there is addiction involved and when there's untreated mental health that is beyond the ability to function in the world without help.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And I think it's a mix of those things, too. And unfortunately, I think a big part of it is just wanting to continue the lifestyle But I've told him time again, basically, I know, I know what's going on. So you might as well be honest with me and what that has turned into in the past six or so months where I've decided to just put my foot down and not pretend like everything is okay is him just avoiding me pretty much because he knows I want to like, I'm, I'm done bullshitting and I'm done pretending like everything's fine. So it's been, I mean, I don't think he even knows I'm pregnant. I told him, you know, shut up three, four months ago, like, Hey, please call me. I have something to share. And well, nothing came of it. Um,
1: yeah, cause and- you don't really post about it a lot. Like on social media, I think you've only had like one or two posts that are more like humorous. Yeah. Like that and- one about when you went on that vacation and you were like half baby, half prosciutto.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I do I think Brasciotta? actually, what did I just
1: say? I just made up a word. Yeah.
0: I was like, Oh, what was that? What did I eat? But yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was a that was a good meal. <laughs> I still think about that sometimes. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So he, I think he has seen those social media posts is a thing, and he hasn't oh, wow. reached out to me. Um, I mean, I hate making assumptions about like who saw what on social media and blah blah blah.
1: But point is, well, like but he's, if my he's on his phone, right? And the chances that him being he's young, uh, the chances of him seeing it are fairly high.
0: Yes, yes. And but he's my brother. You want to tell people that you care about, like at least on the phone about big news like that I'm not gonna just I mean at a point like I don't want to just text him about it um and I told him this was back in January like I have some news and I I mean I've been trying to get in touch with him for for weeks not just over that but over you know a bunch of different things and he doesn't um want to reach out because or he says he will but then he doesn't because he knows yeah (laughs) he knows our relationship is is shifting towards more it's just hard for me to know exactly. I, I want to feel like I'm doing the right thing, but I have told myself pretending like everything's okay and just having this shallow relationship with him definitely isn't helpful. Yeah. So while I know he's probably not going to listen to me, I he needs to know that I'm very, very worried about him.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's so hard. And I, you know, you mentioned this already, but I can imagine that when you get back to Raleigh, that will look different for you and you might feel like you're more able to do some of those things to show him that you care because you'll be here, you know, and it won't hopefully have to be technology. I mean, you'll be literally popping a baby out a month later. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But you know, it, hopefully it'll be more or less forever that we're back there. And I don't think he's going to move anytime soon because that for him, Chapel Hill is his comfort zone where he's Mm -hmm. been living for a very long time. But even if it's just, I will be the one to take you to rehab and I'll pick you back up when you're done. Just having like someone he knows he can rely on if he is willing to make a change yeah, that will help him and be a support. Cause I don't know if he has those things right now.
1: Yeah. Well, it's huge. And I think that's pretty admirable for you and you taking on that responsibility. And I didn't know your mom. I can't imagine you make her very proud and, and don't forget to take care of yourself, too. That's a huge thing to take on when you are going to be the support for someone in your life who is struggling.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I recognize that. And I will definitely be utilizing some kind of professional help as well, because I am Oh, good. <laughs> I spend a lot of my time reading stuff like, you know, Al-Anon, Nar-Anon. If people are familiar with that, it's, it's um, basically like... Alcoholics Anonymous but or Narcotics Anonymous, but for the family and friends of people who are Mm -hmm. suffering from addiction. And I found that to be super helpful and full of things that I didn't even think about or things like I thought, oh, I'll go about it this way. And then I read something and it's like, oh, don't actually go about it that way. (laughs) Like, for instance, like don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't talk about when you're confronting them or talking to them. Don't talk about them and their actions. Talk about how their actions are affecting you. Make it about you. Um, Things like that that are so I recommend it if your family or family member or friend is struggling, definitely get involved with Al-Anon. So that's been helpful. But yeah, like I said, I would I would implement help because I don't think I could do it alone, even for my own mental health. I would need support
1: because it's as you said, it's tough. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. How are you feeling today about? things in general about being pregnant about life about what you ate for breakfast just how are you today today i am good uh i
0: used to get sunday sunday scaries when i was working full-time and now i don't really because i actually like what i'm doing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I,
1: no way that's amazing en- that's how it should be
0: i'm enjoying graduate school i mean i get them a little bit because mondays are my super busy day yeah but, but i felt good today uh i with i'm a worry wart so i wish i could enjoy this pregnancy a little bit more but i spend a lot of my time just worrying instead of appreciating mm-hmm. so i'm i'm working on that and i think i gotten a bit better especially now that i can feel the baby move before that oh, i was just always like what's going on in there is everything okay you know? <laughs> hello are
1: you okay <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're first time mama who doesn't have their mama i mean god i can't imagine right what that has to feel like and the two of you are living in sorry iowa the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. <laughs> right with no significant friends to talk to yeah yeah so
0: it's been I mean, Martin, Martin's been great. Thank God also for technology where you can stay in touch with friends and family mm-hmm. no matter where they are. Um, but I always tell myself, cause sometimes I'll just get worried about something and and stressed about something like pregnancy related, like, Oh, is this normal? And then if I just have like a five minute t- chat with someone about it, I'll just feel so much better. Um, yeah. not to minimize. I did go, I called my doctor like two weeks ago, Friday afternoon. I'm like, I'm seeing black spots and I'm really freaked out that it's oh blood pressure related. And it's, you know, it's really, really bad to have high blood pressure when you're pregnant. And they're like, okay, why don't you come in and we'll look at your blood pressure and check to make sure everything's good. And sure enough, everything was good. And I'm actually pretty proud of myself that I've only gone in once from a kind of freak out thing, but that's not to minimize, like, you know, it's kind of tough because you know, you're in charge of your body and then this little baby, and you want to make sure that you're looking out for things that could potentially be wrong. Yeah. And making the right call because, but then of course I Googled it like, Oh, seeing black spots oh, and no. You know, <laughs> yeah. And I told my doctor, I was like, Oh, I Googled it. And he's like, yeah, don't, don't Google stuff. They're like,
1: us. Get off Google.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, that is really, truly a big part of it. And that's, what's helped me is I don't, spend time on the internet trying to scare myself with things that could cool. potentially go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that is right, helping gosh, my mental health imagine. and my overall my overall mood.
1: Good. I'm glad to hear that. You know, you and I can talk about this later and this is for anybody who is on their current journey of getting ready to expand their family through childbirth, have a baby, anything like that. There's a program in Wake County in North Carolina that's through the agency Safe Child. It's called Mom Supporting Moms, um, which is for new moms who may be experiencing postpartum depression or other postpartum mood disorders or perinatal mood disorders. And then there's also a program called Welcome Baby. And Welcome Baby is for any new mom and you get paired with a mom in the community who has already had a baby. And that way you have someone who is your go-to for the first year of your baby's life. And they'll walk you through things that you may not understand or you don't know if this is okay or this normal and it's a real living person. Doctors are real living people, but you have to call them on a schedule and you have to get an appointment and, you know, it looks very structured. And this is a way to have this built-in friend and support system. So if anybody's looking for that, I would highly recommend. They're all free of charge. Um, Just go to safechildnc.org, I believe is their website. I should know this. I'm Mm -hmm. on the board and I'm sitting here like, what is the website? Hold on. Safe child. Why? I feel so dumb that I can't. Well the what... important thing is yes. Safe Child. Safe Child. Safe Child I can think. I'm good.
0: Yeah, no, that is that I I went to a couple of your fundraising events.
1: And yeah. It's
0: yeah, an amazing organization. Uh and like I said, it definitely helps to have a real living person to talk to and not yes, just don't Google WebMD. things.
1: <laughs> no, no more Web M D for you. Yeah. No more.
0: Um but it's also you kind of realize talking one on one with people uh, how like crazy pregnancy is, or really just anything child related and you hear about like morning sickness and you know how your body's gonna change, but when you're going through it, it's like, oh wow, this is actually really, really intense,
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> they play it off yeah a little bit in books, and your brain will only imagine it so much, and then when it's really happening to you, I can imagine it's way different,
0: yeah, yeah, and uh. I mean, a whole other thing is the media, the world's kind of glamorizing pregnancy in a, in a sense and having like a glow. And here, I, like, I only just started my third trimester, and I'm already like sleeping is very difficult. And I'm like, okay, I have three more months of just getting bigger, so this is <laughs> like will be How am I going to sleep? Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> I'm gonna start sleeping standing up. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh, have you gotten one of those pregnancy pillows? The yes, the giant ones. Yes. Uh, a, my
0: good friend sent me a pregnancy pillow early on that I'm just very, very grateful for they, if anyone is pregnant or thinking about it, or really just in general, I've heard a lot of pregnant women just, I'm a, I want on one them. just because yeah, but there's, it feels now I can't imagine like not sleeping with something like in between my legs. Cause I sleep yeah. on my side now and just having something between your legs. And then it kind of like supports your gut as well. And um, yeah,
1: I don't I don't think I could sleep without it. Yeah. That's so funny you say that. I've been sleeping with um, a knee support pillow since I was 18 years old.
0: Oh, yeah. And so
1: I love that. And people are like, why do you do that? Because it helps level your hips out and yep. your spine out. Yep. When you sleep with your knees touching, that's not a very natural way for your body to actually rest. And so I need to get one just because.
0: Yeah. No, I highly recommend. And, you know, once you do it, you probably won't go back because it's... <laughs> like your your hips you don't even realize that you're putting strain on your hips until you like put that pillow in there and it's like oh my gosh this feels so much better this
1: is amazing Mm -hmm. josh josh struggles with hip issues as well so i can imagine he'd actually steal my pillow yeah if i were to get one he needs his
0: own pregnancy pillow for sure can you
1: we need a california king so we can both have pregnancy
0: (laughs) okay that's (laughs) another thing i'm like seriously considering upgrading to a king i kind of wanted a king even like before i was pregnant because I am like a starfish sleeper <laughs> or have been in the past anyway. And yeah, yeah. The Queen's just not really cutting it right now.
1: But we'll see. That is so funny. <laughs> Maybe. Budget All right, we're for that get in the you future. a king. Yeah. Tell Martin, that's the next big present. Well, good. So you're feeling okay. I think that's awesome that you're feeling a little bit better about not stressing for each little movement from baby and what is this, what is that? And you've got three months, which I know for you feels like forever. Mm-hmm. And then yet yeah, three months is going to go by so fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it will go that way. Um, cause we really are counting down to two big events and that's moving back to North Carolina, which is end of June and then due date, which is July 15th. So there's oh two God. really, really big things that we're <sighs> counting down to. And usually when you have two exciting things, you're counting down to time goes by really slow, but the past few months have really just whizzed by. So I'm, I'm, I'm just ready for those big things to happen.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, we are too. I'm so excited to meet this little baby Yeah. Cannot and, and to see you. I should have prefaced with that. And <laughs> yeah, to see you no. and to see
0: Martin. It'll be, it'll be awesome.
1: Yeah. What are you doing to take care of yourself right now? Because the world is insane for lack mm-hmm. of better word usage here and everything's been turned upside down and as you said you're very limited on what you have access to right now you're in school what are you doing to take care of yourself so
0: i have found that i told you earlier on i wasn't actually reading a book right now but i have picked up again reading for pleasure has been a total game changer for me and i can imagine a lot of people can relate but To me, being able to dive into another person's life and world has done so much for me Um, because I kind of get just wrapped up in my own head, as we've been Mm kind of talking about and wrapped up in your own worries. And I need to constantly remind myself because it's not like reading's a chore, but it is like a habit. So if I start doing it, I'll, I'll stay doing it. But if I fall out of it, it's like working out like you take a week off and then you kind of forget about it or don't continue reading, but it's so good for my soul to just have my own life and then have other people's lives that I'm following via a book. And like watching a TV show doesn't have the same effect for me. It has to be a book, um, especially a book that's very, like I reread all the Game of Thrones books because that world is just so complex and like so you can so dive in and just be part of it, and it's not your life; it's someone else else's life, and that truly has been therapeutic. So I started doing that, reading for pleasure, and that's been a big deal, and for just being able to relax. Yeah. And um. Yeah, I just I was trying not to get into this habit for financial reasons, but people kind of joke about refill therapy, especially during a pandemic. And <laughs> uh, the other day, I probably bought like. I mean, place five different orders for (laughs) in various websites. (laughs) And that was such a mood booster because I had five different packages to look forward to. And one of them was makeup. And I spent like 50 bucks on two, two like makeup items, which sounds insane, but it's been so fun to just play around with makeup a little bit. And, um, obviously that has like a financial restriction, but I told myself a few, like, a month ago, okay, you could have, like, kind of a crazy day of <laughs> shopping yeah, one online. one day a and, month. Yeah. And I don't regret it at all. And I got, like, new clothes. And um, I mean, I kind of had to get in return, maternity, maternity clothes. clothes anyway. Yeah. And so really, like, to answer your question, it's been a bunch of sort of little things. Um, and then we we did go away um, over Easter weekend, which was also my birthday. And I had been thinking, you know what, like, no, we don't need to go away. I'll we'll just relax at home. But I'm so glad that we did. And I made, like, the conscious effort, like, no, this will be good for, for me to get away, to get out of the apartment, get out of Davenport for a little bit. And it was awesome. I mean, it was only this little town, like, two, two and a half hours away. Nothing super special at all. But it was just so great
1: being somewhere else for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Go stare at some other walls for a little while.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the... Little house we had rented was just so cute and charming, and the, luckily the weather was amazing. So we got to spend a lot of time outside, and um yeah, I mean even though we'll yeah, since we'll probably never live in the Midwest again, it's
1: good to take the time to explore a little bit, the little towns yeah. around. So that sounds very cute. Yeah, some of the things you've sent have been super cute, and it sounds like the weather, other than the winter time where it was cold and super, super snowy all the time.
0: Yes, very much. That is definitely a downside, but we seem, actually, it looks like it's going
1: to snow on Tuesday. Oh my God. (laughs) For the most part, we're past it. That is so funny. Well, good. Well, I'm, you know, I'm so excited to have you back here. And for anybody that is thinking about having a, you know, a kid or has a kid or will be having a kid or whatever format that's in, you know, definitely please recognize that, you're not alone and your worries, you know, get some support in your life because I can imagine other first time mamas can absolutely relate to what you're feeling.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. We even, like our good friend Caitlin, uh, we've talked a little bit and I would all say something like, oh, I'm so nervous for my like 20 week ultrasound, which now was like eight weeks ago. And she's like, no, 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 I totally get it. I was, cause usually you kind of see on like social media and stuff I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to find out the gender. And I'm like, uh, I'm just like worried. Of, I just want to make sure baby's okay. And it turns yeah. out like most people do feel that way. Like you're also a little bit nervous, um, but you wouldn't always know that. So it, yeah, it just, it it's okay to feel that way. It's normal. And it, it definitely feels good to talk to other people about it.
1: Yeah. Well, good. You know, and I think that we have such a great support system here and you mentioning again that, you know, not having your mom here and wanting to instill every value that your mom taught you with this baby and everything about her that you can share with baby is going to be something that you commit to doing so that this baby knows who their grandma was. And I think you, you clearly embody so much of what your mom is and was and would have been. And I'm very excited to see what that looks like when baby gets here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I can't wait, and I feel that even though you haven't met her, my mom, I feel like you have you probably know a lot about her kind of through me in a sense, just mm-hmm. even who i i I mean even my aunts and uncles will say how much i I'm like her, which brings me a lot of happiness, and you know people joke like, "Oh, you know, you turn into your mom as you get older, and even though she died seven years ago, I still pick I find myself doing things that she would do like even new things like just how I how I choose like organize my pens like for school <laughs> and I'm like oh, I'm, oh my god my mom used to do this and this is just how I started doing so it's it's um just like little things like that but um it's funny how how that works but yeah and yeah, this yeah is there anything that comes... around this around this baby and? Hopefully, um, yeah, we just, I raise this baby the way that my mom would approve.
1: Oh, I'm sure you will do that. I don't know that your mom would have disapproved of many things. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> right. When you think about this question I'm about to ask, I wonder if it's something, anything your mom would have said. Is there a phrase or a quote or something that you have found yourself living by lately that comes to mind? Um, so the quote I'm about to say,
0: I say it almost a little bit tongue in cheek because it's, I don't want to say it's silly cause it's not, but this is what I've been telling myself a lot and that's let go and let God. Cause I like the way it sounds, but really what I'm telling myself is, is just, stop being so much of a worry wart. Life is going (laughs) to happen as it happens. You only have so much control. So, um, and kind of, you know, what's another, uh, it's not really an active quote that I think about, but you know, you are how you respond to the things that happen to you, not, you aren't like what happens to you, but how you respond to it. So that's the big thing as well. And I'm in a profession or, you know, in grad school, with a lot of like very lovely, positive people that just want to make an impact on the world. And they've been a great influence on me in terms of like, how do you want to be perceived? Like, what do you want your impact on the world to be? Mm-hmm. And a big part of that for me is don't get caught up on the small stuff and think yeah. more about, yeah, just, how to be, how to be positive And a big, a big part of that starts with, with you and how you handle your own life and your own worries. And of course it's okay to be in a bad mood some, some days, but just kind of letting, letting go, like knowing that not everything can be controlled and that, and that's okay. And letting go a little bit can just overall make you a better, a better person, at least for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like that's what you need, mm-hmm. have to let go and whatever powers you may believe in, let those take over because yeah, we we're powerful people, but we're not that powerful. And life is gonna happen. And we had someone on in season one, I think it was Taylor, who said, "Life is gonna life." Yep. And you are not going to be able to control many of those things, so it's time to saddle up and get ready to ride the roller coaster that is life. Indeed, very much. Uh-
0: yeah, you just can't plan out your life. You just really don't know. Because even with this baby, obviously you have to prepare to some extent, but also keeping in your minds like anything can really happen. <laughs> Not yeah. to be, you know, negative, but it's just like anything could happen, like good or bad yeah. or in the middle or things just don't always go, especially with, well, really with any human, um,
1: friends, family, whatever, you can't really predict what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love you and I'm so grateful for you and, you know, I'm so lucky that we found each other and that, you know, if we believe in a higher power and a greater being, I mean, Bud Light, we need you to sponsor us because it has made so many amazing friendships and my, you know, family that I've gotten to choose be a part of my life from this job. So I'm so grateful for that.
0: Yeah, I feel totally the same way (laughs) Bud Light should sponsor us. And yeah, I'm, so grateful for you susan it really does feel like some kind of higher power intervening there with having us meet because yeah i swear i found the bud light ad like on craigslist or just you know it was so oh, random so how we yeah. i think all all of us stumbled into it so um yeah i'm very always very happy to talk to you and always feel great after doing so and can't wait for this to be more of a frequent and in-person thing in just a few short months
1: Yes, I'm excited. And thank you so much for being willing to come on and share your story with more people, you know, the whole 20 people that listen to this podcast. Thank you for that. And, you know, please, I'd love to touch base again, and we'll have you back on. And I can't wait to hug you in person.
0: Yeah, cannot wait. Thank you so much, Suze.
1: I love you. Love you. Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. And follow us on social media at I've Been